Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, True Security, was preached by our lead pastor, Paul Smith, on Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 13. It was recorded on February 4th, 2024, and is part of our series, True Security. Holy Spirit, once again, teach us what we do not know. Christ, heal in us the wounds that we have that no one sees. And Father, produce in us that which we cannot produce in ourselves, which is the character and the nature of your Son, Jesus Christ. And the church said together, Amen. Well, if you were with us last month, you know that we just finished a series on prayer called When a Church Prays. And we're not finishing our our life of prayer as a church. It's going to continue. We want it to keep going. Pray often, pray much, pray powerfully, pray bold, be creative when it comes to prayer. But they we're starting a new series that will take us this month, and it's called True Security, True Security. And it's on the other side of the coin of prayer, and here's why. You see, to pursue God in prayer is to live a life of faith. And in a life of faith, you will come up, you will come up against your deepest fears. To live a life of faith, you will move out, trust God, and you'll come to a point in your life, will I take a step of faith or will I give in to fear? Because this is what I know, you can walk by faith or you can walk by fear, but you cannot walk by both at the same time. Now, there are healthy fears. I have a healthy fear of, not jump, of jumping off of 10-story building without a parachute. I shouldn't. That's a healthy fear. You should have the same. But an unhealthy fear is something bigger than God in my life that keeps me from obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. Those are unhealthy fears. And fear affects all of us in different ways. We have fears of not being loved. We have fears of being without. We have, fear be, we have fears of being left out. And we have fears of being overlooked. And Jesus knows that worry slash fear can cripple and stunt our spiritual growth. He says this in Mark 4.19. The seeds, meaning the gospel, fell among the thorns. And everyone who hears these words, but the worries of this life... Choke the word, making it unfruitful. That God desires greater, fe- greater fruit in your life, but worries come in and choke it. So for that reason, the number one command in scripture, 365 of them, is do not be afraid from God. What are some of your root fears? What are some of your root fears? And how are they manifesting Are these fears affecting your relationship with God and possibly undercutting that which God wants to do in your life and the purpose for which you are saved? And are you willing to bring your fears to Jesus? And at the very end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to um, receive the love of the Father and his perfect love drives out all of our fears. There is no fear in perfect love. And then also to come close to come close and to hear the voice of the Father over your, over your life. If you're wondering if um, how I'm, am I in this journey with you, I absolutely am. You see, I wrote this in my journal. Father, I'm scared. I'm scared where this life of prayer is taking me. Less control, more mystery, holding loosely to outcomes. I am in unfamiliar territory of the soul. I am scared but do not let me turn back. So the question is, where is their hope? Where's their hope with these emotions of fear as we so desire so much to follow God? Well, there's a passage in the scriptures, a very familiar, the transfiguration where Jesus is changed in front of his disciples. 
And this is a painting of the Transfiguration. It's the best that I could find. And so if any good artist out there, there's an opportunity here to really paint well, I think, the Transfiguration. I'm thankful for this one, but who knows what could happen. And this is a very familiar passage, and yet the context of the Transfiguration is not just Jesus showing off. The context of the transfiguration is that Jesus is revealing himself for the sake of the disciples who are gripped with fear. And they've got to get this of who he is and the life that he's called them to. Because the mission of the church is now, um, it's in their hands when he, after the resurrection. Let me give you some context that will explain. You see, Jesus up to this point, up to chapter 16, has been revealing who he is. So at this point, he says to the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And in chapter 16, verse 16, Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And at that moment, he knows he needs, he knows he needs to go from revealing himself to them, to them, to training them to take the kingdom upon his return to the father, to take, and he basically says, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And then he says this, to the disciples in 21 verses in 21, he says, need to know that up to this point, um, I've been teaching, but a time is going to come when the chief priests and the elders will kill the son of man, and yet he will rise at the, on the third day. And Peter will have none of it because he has seen false messiahs. They've killed them all and rise on the third day. They said that, but none of that would happen. For that reason, Peter says this in, in Matthew 16. It says Luke, but it's Matthew. It says this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, meaning Jesus, rebuking Jesus is not a good idea. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Satan will always tell you that you can have the benefits of the kingdom and not the cross. And Jesus says, my kingdom comes through a cross that I will bear out of love for the Father, and it will come through the cross that you will bear also out of the love for the Father. That's how the power of the kingdom is released. And so he takes his disciples to this mountain, Peter, James, and John, and reveals his glory, who he was from the beginning and who he's going to become after the resurrection, and reveals to them the ultimate aim and goal of salvation, for one day our bodies will be like his body, clothed in righteousness, and all things will be made new. Because it's one thing to trust God for good results, but it's another thing to trust God when the results aren't very good. And they will see, the fa- they will see this one that they followed so much, and he will be hanging on a cross. And they will question, did the father turn his back on them? Did the father reject him? And the father, like a thunder out of heaven, comes in a cloud and he says this to the disciples. And once again, it's Matthew. It says this, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, and he stops Peter speaking. Peter gets rebuked by Jesus and the father. Bad day for Peter. (laughs) This is my son whom I love. In him, I'm well pleased. And this is what you do. Say it with me, three words, listen to him. Our knowledge of the Father's love is not determined by the circumstances of our life, but the statements of the Father's love over our life, even when the circumstances would, com- would commute, communicate otherwise. You see, true security in this life is found in who I am 
as a child of God and obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. You're building your life either on shifting sand or you're building your life on a firm foundation, which is the teachings of Jesus and who you are as, his God, as God's child for those who are in Christ. You see, there is no fear in perfect love. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the text just really quickly. Then I'm going to give some commentary on the text. And then I'm going to point out two things, who you are as God's child if you're in Christ, and then how to listen to his voice. It says this, on this after six days, um, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Now, these are fishermen. Um, they're, used, they're not used to mountains, mountains. This is an unfamiliar place. This is what often Jesus does to us. And there he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Um, just then he appeared before, just then there appeared before him Moses, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophet, both pointing to the person of Jesus. Peter said, Lord, it is not good for us to be here. And sometimes, um, I'll comment later. If you wish, I will put up shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped both of all of them. And a voice came and said, this is my son whom I'm loved with him. I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples heard this. They fell face down on the ground, terrified, but Jesus came and touched them. Um, He's not scared of our germs and said, get up. And don't be afraid. And when they looked, we looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples asked, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first because of the book of Malachi? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah has come and will restore all things. Jesus' resurrection, as we'll receive, initiated the restoration of all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. And in the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer. Let's stop there. Go to verse one. Now, why are they there for six days? What are they doing up there? Well, the Luke passage, the similar passage says this, Jesus took Peter and John and James with him and they went up to the mountain to pray. And while they were praying, so they're praying up there. And while they are praying, all of these, un, I mean, these, these events happen that they are terrified. Jesus is transfigured. God's presence shows up. Peter feels like he's gonna die. And at that moment, Peter says, let's build a shelter. We've got to do something. Um, Why did Peter speak? It says this in Mark chapter nine, and he, Peter, didn't know what to say, so he was frightened. So they are in an unfamiliar place. They know seas, not mountains. They, um, They are saying, it's not good for us to be here. They're doubting the will of God. They're doubting the goodness of Jesus. And it says, they're scared. First principle. Take note of those times when you're in an unfamiliar place, not knowing what to say or what to do, and you're filled with fear. God might be revealing to you a whole new depth of himself. What they do right is they do not walk down the mountain. They stay there. And because they stay in the presence of Jesus, wherever Jesus is, is, I need to be there. God shows up. Now, Peter says, let's put up some shelters 
And why shelters? Well, this goes back to the Old Testament. Whenever the presence of God appeared, it instilled worship. And what they basically they could do in the times when they in the desert, they kind of just grab things and put a shelter up and that's how they worship. So he just wants to do anything. In essence, he wants to worship. It makes sense. Valerie Reese says this, the sukkah was a place of worship. To Peter, this seems appropriate and necessary. It's what he's always done. But God stops him. He says, the worship of my son is not putting G- my son Jesus alongside Moses and Elijah. No, 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 no. This is my son. They were my servants. And when it comes to my son, let me show you how to worship. I love my son. And you're created in my image. And your soul, when it comes to worship, must mirror my soul. And if my soul loves my son, your soul, its grandest form of worship is loving the son and listening to him. You don't need a place, specific place to worship. You can worship the son out of love and listening to him here or on the other side of the world. Worship of the son is I love the son and I listen to him. Now, when you listen to him, why is that so important? Because everything went wrong in creation when we doubted the goodness of God and stopped listening to his voice. Over and over in the gospels, the father comes from heaven. I love the son. I bless the son. I'm pleased with the son. The heart of the father is always blessing and goodness. And we see that in creation. Eat of anything. But when they stopped listening to their good father, everything goes wrong. And the same is true with us. You have so, we have so many competitive voices dragging us away from the loving voice of God. Listen to him. Now, when you listen to him, what is it going to do with you? What's he going to do? Well, he says, get up, meaning he gives them a command. Don't be afraid. He doesn't say, don't be afraid, then get up. No, no, no. Act on what I say, and it will lead to a life of no fear. You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. But he says, get up. They're face down. Now get up. And when they obey, they end up looking like Jesus for four standing. All of Jesus's commands in your life have one aim and end to transform your life to look like him to look like Jesus. The greatest need of this world, the greatest need in your life is more of the presence and the love and the perspective and the heart and the words and the vision of Jesus. That's his aim and that's his goal. But he says this, um, he will be raised. Jesus rises from, from the dead. And when he rises from the dead, it is the initiation of the restoration of all things, not just Jerusalem, but the restoration of all things. And that lets us know why suffering will come to our lives as well, because we have to carry our cross. And God isn't into suffering for suffering's sake, but the root of, at the very root is love, love for the father that's so intense that it'd be willing to embrace a cross or difficulty. And when that happens, The power of God is released in your world of influence and the kingdom comes a little bit more one life at a time. 
You see, the resurrection of Jesus began the restoration of all things and our daily trust in, the particip- daily trust in Jesus is our participation in that. Nancy Guthrie says this, God's plan for the world and his people could not be thwarted by human sin. Christ came to accomplish what was necessary to open a way for us, not just back to a garden of Eden, but into a home that will be better than Eden, a life that will will be even better than the life that Adam and Eve enjoyed. His resurrection um, began began flooding the world as the gospel goes out and is embraced by the nations. The power of the gospel brings with it the power of the gospel brings life where there is death hope where there is despair and beauty where there is brokenness suffering is not random it is a part of just ushering the kingdom and it pushes back the darkness so hold on loved one for you are loved just as the sun i said this true security is found in who i am as a child of god and obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Let's unpack this. You see, Jesus lived deeply secure by the Father's love for him. And he, Jesus, invites us daily into that. From the beginning of Jesus's ministry to the very end of his ministry, he doesn't live by circumstances. He lives by the statement, you are, the, you are my son, I love you. And he invites us into that as co-heirs with Christ. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. He loves you. When you are secure in the Father's love, you can take steps of faith, give up control, take risk, not seek revenge, ask for help, forgive others, confess sin, come clean. When you're secure in the Father's love for you, you can rest, stop striving, let go, enjoy who God God created you to be, take on his yoke, watch him work, and you can come home when you are secure in the Father's love. But being secure in the Father's love is pretty tough. Because no matter how good your earthly father was, he's, it's insufficient to whom your heavenly father is. So God gives us a beautiful picture of who our heavenly father is. And I believe it comes from Luke 15. And we know the story of Luke 15 where the prodigal son goes out and the father sees him a long way away. And everything is there. You see, as the son is coming home, he runs to the son. And old men did, older men didn't run back then. The older, he humbled himself and runs to the son. And in doing so, he saves the son's life. For if the townspeople were to see the son returning back to the town, they would have gone out and killed him out of such disrespect for his father. The sentence of death is over his life. But the father humbles himself and absorbs, in essence, the rebellion and the waywardness of the son doesn't ask him to repay it. He goes out and forgiveness is not like, oh, nothing, act like nothing happened. No, no, forgiveness is the, we acknowledge something very serious offenses happened here. And me as the one being offended, I will absorb the ramifications of that offense on myself. Not only that, the father blesses the son And restores the son to the family. Forgiveness from the father. Acknowledgement that a serious offense has happened. He absorbs the offense on himself and the the person of his son. And then he blesses you with sonship and daughtership. And longs for you to thrive. This is the love of the father over your life. Live in Luke 15 this week, loved ones. 
if you're struggling with who you are as his son or daughter. But he says, also listen to him. We open God's word. We get in God's word for the sake of listening to Jesus. I know of no other thing than daily opening of God's word that allows us to live secure in identity and hear his voice and follow his ways. But not only we sons and daughters, but we have tendencies like sheep, don't we? We kind of go our own way. For that reason, Jesus said this in Luke 10, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So how are we to think? Well, if you were to go to Psalm 23, it is 55 words, 55, 55 words. And there are 26 and 26. And right in the middle, there are four words. And the four words is which everything revolves around in Psalm 23. And it's this, you are with me. Why do we listen to his voice from his word? To remind us whether that would be the valley of the shadow of death or a table of blessing in front of me. The central reality, guiding truth deep within me is I'm not alone. And my security does not come from my position. My security comes from an ongoing presence, the presence of Christ. For I will, therefore, I will fear no evil. Question is this. Are the Father's love and the words of Jesus your true security? He wants some. He invites you today. He invites you to receive his love. You receive his love by a simple prayer. It can happen in your seat or it can happen here. Father, I desire to receive your love. I can't go another day without receiving your love. I was created to receive your love. Get anything out of me that's blocking or filling to where there's no place for me to receive your love. I can only live the life you created me to live by knowing your love. Just call out for his love. It's a prayer he loves to answer. And the other one is this, return. Receive and return. Return to a place of close proximity to where you are hearing his voice through his word. His voice is your loudest voice. You let him lead your life. And in doing so, you know the voice of the father, his love over your life. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. And you, I am well pleased. This is the gospel. Susan, would you come? I'll pray, and then Susan will give us some kind of instructions and response, and Zeke will lead us in worship of those who want to stay. But let me pray. Jesus, we receive and we return. You took everything away that hindered us having a relationship with the Father. We want to come home. Thank you that we are participating in your restoration of all things through daily obedience. Glorify your son to us as individuals and us as a church. And the church said together, amen. Let's stand and receive the benediction. Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, 
and disciple people to be Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at facelex.com.